0: Well, sooner or later, one of the issues that every Christian wrestles with is this issue. How can I be happy in heaven when friends and loved ones that I care for are in hell? And I'm sure you've struggled with that issue. All of us will eventually have people who are very dear to us on earth who will not be with us in heaven. Um, I recall a number of years ago hearing a Christian song that expresses this concern. It's entitled, I Dreamed I Searched Heaven for You. And I've only heard it once, but it made a big impression on me. Listen to the chorus. I dreamed I searched heaven for you, searched vainly through heaven for you. Oh, won't you prepare to meet me up there, lest we should search heaven for you? Now obviously, I do not know enough about heaven to presume to tell you how God will resolve this dilemma for us. But here is my attempt at an answer. In heaven, all of our virtues will be perfected. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23 that the saints in heaven are made perfect. So we'll be perfect in every virtue, perfect in love, in joy, perfect in peace, perfect in gentleness. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful experience to have as Christians? But also we will be perfected in justice. So we will not only understand perfect justice, but we will desire perfect justice in a way that we might feel conflicted about that now. We also will desire that God be glorified in heaven in all of the perfection of his attributes. So we will want God's perfect justice to shine forth in all of its glory. So we will know then, those who have rejected his son and are not in heaven are receiving perfect justice. They are justly receiving that which they have chosen and eternity separated from a relationship with God. And because God is rightly glorified in all of his attributes, we will desire the display of his perfect justice. And therefore, we'll understand in a way that perhaps troubles us now that God is not unjust, unfair in any way, but he is perfect in all that he does. Uh, Some of you know that Jonathan Edwards uh, was a very influential pastor during the colonial period of our country. And Pastor Edwards uh, put it this way. He said, When the king comes to judgment, our consciences will be perfectly enlightened and convinced by the all-searching light we shall then stand in. So what may cause us anguish now as we think about loved ones or friends who may not be in heaven, will be resolved for us in our perfect state when we are in heaven. Now, the reason that I share all of this with you this morning is we're coming to the final attribute of God in Psalm 139. And that attribute is His justice. You see, Psalm 139 was written out of David's personal anguish. He was experiencing severe persecution. And here's apparently what was happening. Apostate Jews outside of the land of Israel opposed David as king, and they questioned his loyalty to God. They wanted to see him killed in a military coup d'etat, and they did all of this with religious pretense. They said about themselves, they were the true representatives of God. David was an infidel and they were calling for a jihad against him. And in the midst of his hurt, his pain, his frustration, David found encouragement in the knowledge of God's justice. Now, some of the things that we're going to see David says today are very hard for us to read. He says, I hate them with complete hatred. Now, I know just from my years in Sunday school as a little boy, you're not supposed to hate anyone. And so when we read this, we say, what in the world is going on? Well, what David is doing is he is teaching us in this section of the psalm about God's perfect justice. What we will understand perfectly someday in heaven is written for us now in the pages of scripture. And David tells us there are two encouraging truths that we can bank on and rest in about God's justice. This morning, I want to look at the first one, And then in a subsequent message, as we close out this psalm, we'll look at the second one, all right? So take your Bibles with me and turn to Psalm 139, and I want to read the final section of this glorious psalm, starting in verse 19, and you follow along with me, all right? Notice what David says. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O man of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now here's the truth we want to look at this morning. We can be sure of God's justice. We can be sure of God's justice. Is God's justice real to you? It very clearly was real to David. This is one of the most intense descriptions of the justice of God in the Bible. And it really answers for us a very simple question. What kind of a judge is God? What kind of a judge is God? And I want you to notice that the first answer that David gives to us is God is the supreme judge. He is the supreme judge. When David says in verse 19, O God, he uses a Hebrew title for God that is the title Eloah. Eloah is a variant form of the title Elohim, and it refers to God as the sovereign creator who has all authority. So I want you to notice right away what David is doing here. He is saying that God is the supreme judge and he is committing judgment of the wicked into the hands of God. He says right at the outset, Lord, this is your responsibility. This goes to a much higher court, says David, than I am capable of. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. And because He is, He knows exactly what He is doing. And in His time and in His way, He will bring about perfect justice. I think most of us know that uh, just about two weeks ago, we passed the 19th anniversary of 9-11. Isn't that amazing to think? It's been 20 years since that horrific event happened. And multitudes were murdered on that day. You might recall if you were alive then and were watching the news events that days after 9-11, Billy Graham spoke at a memorial service in Washington, D.C. Uh, in memorial to the dead. And this is what he said. He said, I, I don't know why God allowed this to happen. And when I heard him say that, I thought that not only shows great humility, but it's good theology. It's good theology. Because we do not know why tragedy befalls some and not others. And we do not know why evildoers who uh, do the most horrific kinds of evil are often successful. But what do we know? We know that God is Eloah, don't we? We know that God is Eloah. He is the supreme judge and he will bring every deed into justice. And so that's the starting point as David teaches us about the justice of God. Now here's the second answer to that question. What kind of a judge is God? God is a self-controlled judge. God is a self-control judge. The very fact that we have a petition like this, Oh God, slay the wicked. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I loathe those who rise up against you. The very fact that we have a petition like this shows that God's anger and wrath is not like ours. There is really a sense of impatience here in David's cry. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. David wants to see God's justice demonstrated when? Now, now. It's so important for us to understand God's anger is totally different from ours. His anger is always self-controlled. Our anger so much of the time is not. So much of the time when we are angry, our anger is personal, it's emotional, it's vengeful, vindictive, it's impatient. But God is never ever like that. His anger is always a self-controlled anger. Just about three miles from our church, we have a state prison complex. And I'll never forget when I was in the orientation session to be a part of volunteering in the prison, that the chaplain, Greg Van Hardisfeldt, said these words to us. He said, this is a very bad neighborhood. You don't forget those words. This is a very bad neighborhood. And what he was telling us is when you come in to volunteer, I want you to understand there are very bad people in here. But I want to say this morning to us, I'm glad God is patient with those people. Because if God is patient with them, then God will be patient with me, won't he? And I need God's patience. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm glad that they have been caught. I'm glad that they've been punished. I'm a man who believes in law and order. And when we preach in the prison, we tell it like it is. We give the unvarnished truth. You're not going to change lives by sugarcoating the truth. But I'm glad God is patient with them. Because he will then be patient with me. You see, when it boils down to it, our sins are as offensive to God as theirs are. The difference in our sins and theirs is only in degree, not in nature. The nature of their sins is the nature of our sins. The only difference is in degree. Pride is pride, isn't it? Of course it is. Selfishness is selfishness, isn't it? Stubbornness is stubbornness, isn't it? Lack of compassion is lack of compassion. And self-righteousness is self-righteousness. One night I was watching an episode of uh, Dateline on NBC and Pastor Rick Warren was being interviewed. And I don't agree with everything Rick Warren has ever said or ever done, but that evening he said something that was spot on. He said this. He said, all of us have the potential, given the right circumstances, to commit any sin. All of us have the potential, given the right circumstances, to commit any sin. And then think about all the sins we commit in our hearts that only God sees. And if God were to pull back the veil on all of us and people were able to see what God sees, we wouldn't look so good in front of each other, would we? We wouldn't. And I am glad that God is a self-controlled judge because... I need his patience. Now the third answer to this question, what kind of a judge is God that David gives us, is he is a sinless judge. He is a sinless judge. What I mean by that is this, God's judgment is according to a perfect and righteous standard. When we read in the Bible that God is a God of wrath, we must always understand that it is a holy wrath. It is a pure wrath. God's wrath can be defined in this way. It is his opposition to all that is contrary to his pure nature and therefore must be punished. Since God then is a sinless judge, his judgment will be fair, and everyone will get exactly what they deserve. I carry in my wallet a little item that um, I've had in my wallet for uh, many, many years. It is a copy of the Ten Commandments. Isn't that an amazing thing? All ten can be put on a little, little card like that. And what is interesting here is what David does. We all know that uh, the 10 commandments are God's standard by which he will judge. And David in these verses describes his enemies as people who have broken God's standard. Look at verse 19 and notice David describes them as wicked. That means guilty. And it refers to those who have violated a standard, who have transgressed a law. And we know that law is the Ten Commandments. And then notice what David does he gives us examples. Look at the examples he gives. He calls them in verse 19 men of blood. It is literally bloodthirsty, it refers to killers. And whether they had killed anybody before, it's very clear they wanted to kill David now, and they had violated the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. And then look down at verse 20, he says about them, they take your name in vain. Now here's what was happening. By opposing David as the king, they were opposing God as the ultimate king. By speaking in the name of God and saying, we really represent God. You don't, David. They were using God's sacred name sinfully. That's what David means when he says in verse 20, they speak against you with malicious intent to speak in the name of God against God's representative is to speak maliciously against God. You know what they were breaking the third commandment? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then notice David says in verse 21, who rise up against you. By rising up against David, they were rising up against God. And we all know they were then breaking the first command, You shall have no other gods before me. You know, as I look at this and look at the commands they were breaking, and then I look at God's standard, you know what I notice? I've broken a lot of these commands. Many times. How about you? How about you? And you might say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Brian. Uh, David is calling for justice against... Wicked people, killers. Pastor Brian, it sounds like you're preaching to us. Well, the killers aren't here, are they? But you are, and I am. Are you sinless? No. Am I sinless? Amen. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes you have ordained praise. Amen. So, how are we going to stand before a sinless judge, right? What's the answer? We're not on our own. We're not on our own. And the reason we're not on our own is because the last answer to this question, what kind of a judge is God? He's a separating judge. He's a separating judge. Look at verse 21. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now these verses have bothered many Christians because they seem opposite of Jesus. I'm sure these verses have bothered you in your Christian life. Because what did Jesus say? He said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. He said, do good to those who hate you in Matthew chapter 7. And then you come here and four times speaking as God's representative, David says, I hate you with a complete hatred. What's going on here? Well, We need to understand this, the word hatred here is not used as an emotional word, but as a relational word. That is very important for us to understand. The word hate here is not used as an emotional word, it is used as a relational word. In Malachi chapter 1, the Lord says this, Jacob have I loved... But his brother Esau I have hated. Now we know that God did not emotionally hate Esau. As a matter of fact, God was very good to Esau in terms of temporal blessing. Go back to Genesis and you will read how God blessed Esau. But Esau was a profane man. And God rejected him. God had no relationship with him. So David here is recognizing, I have to side with God. For those who are his determined enemies and are opposed to him and reject him, I cannot be neutral, David is saying. Lord, he's saying you reject them and therefore I must reject them. You have no relationship with them, for how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And I have no relationship with them. You know what David is doing? He's affirming nothing less than what the whole Bible teaches us, that sin separates from God sin separates from God and since all of us have sinned we all deserve separation by the way did you notice that David knew this about himself that's why he ends the psalm the way that he does Look at the last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Pastor Jim Boyce has put his finger right on what is going on here. The problem that David perceives is that he has evil in himself. That's why he ends the way he does. And David knows, I'm just like my enemies, and you and I are too. And if God is a supreme, self-controlled, sinless, separating judge, then the only hope for us is to turn to Him, not from Him. Search me. Know me. Try me. See me. Lead me. After all, there are only two ways, aren't there? There are only two ways. We can turn from God and receive His justice, or we can turn to God in Christ Jesus and receive His mercy. And David's enemies turn from God and they will get perfect justice. But David turned to God and will receive glorious mercy. There are two ways. And when we understand the justice of the perfect God, we want His mercy. Let's bow together, shall we, and close our eyes for a moment. And our heads bowed. And where do you stand today on the two roads? All of the Bible says what David said. Jesus described it as the broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And if God is a perfectly just God, He has to oppose all that is opposed to His holy and pure nature. And while He is a patient God, There will come a day when justice will be done. We call this day the day of grace because God's mercy is offered to us. If we will turn from our own way and turn to the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven, cleansed, born anew, and made members of the family of God. And someday in heaven, when we are perfected in all the virtues that we are not perfect in now, we will rejoice and glorify the God of mercy who has brought us there in Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about your own relationship with the Lord and how you can be sure that you have life and forgiveness in Him, that's why we're here. We're simply beggars who have found the bread of life and want others to find it too. And so, as I close and pray for you, if there's any way we can help you, let us know. That you might know the joy that we have found. Father in heaven, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you that it reveals to us the kind of God that we were just singing about a God who is holy, a God who is just, a God who is righteous. And we know if you were any other way, you would not be God at all. And David could great, take great comfort in the unanswered questions of his life, that he was resting in the care of a God who would be perfectly just. And he knew he could place that in the hands of the Supreme God, that He knew and loved and followed. I pray for anyone today who's not sure where they stand with you. I pray that this message would penetrate their hearts. They would see themselves as they truly are. I pray for anyone online. And that they might recognize the dire situation in which they stand if they should die without Christ as Lord and Savior. And I pray this would be a day they would turn to you and be born into the family of God. Holy Spirit, take the truth of your word and drive it deep into our hearts.